Onyx Hunt is our go-to solution for anything mapping related, whether we're at the house or in the field, whether we're using the tracking feature in order to kind of figure out exactly where we're going in and out of the woods, to also implementing the new cell camera feature where you can actually link your different cell cameras that you may have from different brands and be able to get all those photos sent directly through the Onyx app where you can actually see them on your maps and be able to go through all your photos right there in one place. You can use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout and save 20% on your Onyx Onyx membership. Onyx has been extremely helpful for us the last six years, and I'm sure it'll be helpful for you. So know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know the drill. Good optics are a must, whether you're running a red dot sight on your turkey gun or you're running some binos this turkey season, or if you're shopping for a new rifle scope. Vortex Optics needs to be the first place you look. They got something for everybody, whether you're wanting to get some entry-level glass or if you're wanting top-of-the-line glass and really good stuff, they got that too. They also have an unbeatable VIP warranty. If something happens to your Vortex Optic, you can send it in. They will fix it or replace it. Best warranty in the business, bar none. Head on over to MidwayUSA.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN to get a discount on your order of any Vortex product. Again, that's MidwayUSA.com. Go use that promo code SOUTHERN. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the show. Meadow Creek Mounts is your go-to mounting option for red dots on your turkey shotgun. And one of my favorite features about this mount is you don't have to drill and tap your shotgun in order to mount a red dot onto your shotgun. I personally have used this mount the last two seasons and it's worked extremely well for me. One thing I personally like about it is because it's so low onto the barrel when it mounts to the rib of your shotgun, it allows for a very natural head positioning when shouldering your gun. Also an advantage of using a red dot compared to maybe just a traditional bead on your shotgun is you get a much more clear view of the turkey and you're able to kind of see what else is around there and making sure you're perfectly on that bird. Now if you're interested in giving Meadow Creek Mounts a try you can go over to the website MeadowCreekMounts.com and use the code SOUTHERN at checkout to be able to save 10% on your order. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. We're sitting here at the uh, headquarters of Houndstooth Game Calls. Mr. Lyle Gilbert. Lyle, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, man. This, this one's been a long time coming. Yeah, it has. We've, we've, uh, it has been a long time coming. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, how are you doing over there? Oh, doing well. I'm super excited. Okay, he, I saw him combing that beard earlier, getting ready for this. Yeah, you know, I'm not, even though I'm on camera, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta look good. No, I'm, I'm excited. So this episode is kind of funny enough. So Lyle, when we first started the podcast back in 2018, we you were one of the first guys we recorded with for a turkey con for a turkey episode. It's probably like episode like five or six, something like that. Like mm-hmm. Super early yeah, on, it was a long time ago. And us being so new, that card got corrupted when Andrew went to do the edit on that. It was like, oh, there's no file here, and uh, we kind of went back and forth about, oh, well, we're gonna need to re-record at some point. And now we look five years later, and we're finally doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember you telling me the, about it, you know, getting uh, corrupted and all. Look, it happens. It's, look, we're better. At, we're, we're better at what we're all doing now. So hey, <laughs> yeah. here we are. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. A lot, a lot's changed since then. Yeah. Look, Man, back I then, know. I think we were recording back then on a on a stand microphone, like a one from Amazon is like a hundred dollars. Yep. And we had the foam stacked up on like books or something next to it, and had you on speakerphone and really? recording into that. That's exactly how we did. Hey, you yeah. got to do what you got to do. Hey, I go back and listen to some of those old episodes sometimes, and the audio quality was not bad. I'm like, dang. Relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. Yeah, and I can't go back. 
I cringe every time I listen to those old, those first fifty episodes. I'm oh like, yeah, oh, God. <laughs> Anytime terrible. someone's like, "Yeah, I started listening to episode forty-eight. I'm like, "I'm sorry." Yeah, God bless you. <laughs> it God. took us hundred and twenty episodes to figure out how to not suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it going on. You got a good yeah. following, good name. Heck, we I enjoy listening to it. I've learned a lot from it. I appreciate it, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about a uh, houndstooth. I mean, you got a good thing going on here. You got a nice little shop going on. This is the first time we've been here, and it's pretty impressive, man. You got this place stacked out. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's stacked out now. It won't be stacked out here in a few more weeks. But we're uh, you know we've been here. Heck, I've been in Tusk. Well, I've been right here in this shop for about three years. Uh, so it's it's grown and y'all can see there's boxes everywhere so uh we need a little room (laughs) well well, before we get we're gonna talk a lot of uh public land turkey hunting here and kind of how you cut your teeth on national forest but before we kind of do all that i am curious about you know from owning a call company and you know turkey hunting and and y'all's turkey calls are like such a a big part of what y'all do what is when we're doing deer hunting content what does it look like here building calls and everything getting ready for springtime man it honestly it is first of all i've got a pretty good crew of of uh young people that come in here and work and you know they do some of the they when you come in here there'll be pots laid out across here we'll we'll be you know i'm usually one gluing i can't let them do like just everything but like packaging and and i mean my and my wife now she's she's quit hair yes she's she was a hairdresser for 28 years and she is now finally quit the hair business and she is full-time turkey call mom here in the shop to all the, the young folks and she will have this thing it'll look like a manufacturing line down through there and, <laughs> and i just kind of just just direct me where i need to be or what mm-hmm. i need to do or hand me what i need to do and uh, i'm generally cutting calls and building like mouth calls and stuff and so it, it's crazy around here it, it, from november all the way to the about the about first of may so it's a it's a big undertaking no that's awesome i mean I, I guess the one thing i guess people don't realize from like call companies especially like you that you know you're trying to build inventory for orders that are coming out that's you right know, going into like you know late winter early early spring mm-hmm. where most some people like you know your diehard turkey hunters they're thinking about turkey is 365 we're like that you know the average guy myself included it's like you know hardcore deer then it gets about you know first week of february like oh dude it's you know it's time to switch gears and get ready where you guys are doing that so so much sooner than everybody else is just to try to catch up on orders and then get ready for even the online orders and everything else so, you're, i mean you're exactly right because like just i mean when when may rolls around we're not thinking you know oh turkey season's over we're we're automatically switching gears and we're rebuilding for the next spring so and it'll take me the whole entire summer and we just never stop that's the only way i have learned to be able to be ahead of the curve like we had our best nwtf convention every year it's grown 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 and then when we come back and start putting stuff back on the shelves and i mean it's literally like packing up the shop and going there it looks like we haven't been anywhere and that's when i know hey i'm doing it right because i have been in there when i came in there and i didn't have nothing to put in on the shelf and i was here all night you know like seven days a week and you know I, i'm 40 46 years old my wife's 47 i can't do the two and three a.m's anymore i really can't i've done too many of them so it's uh it we never stop thinking about the turkey well, yeah. be, again, before we get into a lot of this, you know, public land hunting and kind of your background, I want to talk about 
first off, like how long has Houndstooth been around and what was the inspiration for starting Houndstooth? Well, uh, we've been around 12 years or so. And uh, the inspiration for Houndstooth, um, it, it came, it, it, and that's kind of where your podcast with Matt, all that collided uh, with me and Matt, you know, beginning to know each other. Uh, Matt wound up, I, I was actually, before I really knew Matt, what, what really got it started going was I was at junior college in Scuba, Mississippi, and I needed a part-time job. And uh, a friend of mine, which is a uh, one of my best friends now, Chris Crow, owned a company called Magnolia Steel out of Meridian, Mississippi. And uh, I worked my way in there, working just odd jobs on the farm. And then I started taking deer hunters, and then uh, which you know we entertained in the construction field. And uh, it came to a point where I started taking a few turkey hunters, which I loved. That was my favorite. Anyway, that's that's what I was made for. And uh, I was actually leaving. I was graduating junior college, and I was leaving Scuba, Mississippi, come back to Tuscaloosa, and I got a phone call from Chris. He said, hey, would you like to take over this farm? I was like, what? Take over your farm and, and be over it and the hunting and everything. So I did. I moved right back to Scuba. And from then for the next 10 years, that's what I did. I mean, that's pretty much was my job i took care of everything you know uh turkey hunters deer hunters the fishermen managed the place kept the lodge up and uh that's that in a nutshell is what really kicked off that you know hey i, I turkey hunted every day almost always had somebody to take so that kind of kicked off that that vibe of wanting to build a turkey call and uh so i met my wife I ended up moving to Tuscaloosa to have a little bit better life, kids. I had a stepson. And uh, anyway, as soon as I moved back, part of that property ended up uh, was another landowner that was leased. And uh, my, my, my good friend dropped that lease, and that family had 8,000 acres on the Knoxby River, and they wanted to outfit. So I ended up back there on the weekends guiding and Matt joined forces there guiding as well. And, uh, man, by that time, I'd already dabbled into, you know, making I, – I had a neighbor that was an excellent woodworker, and uh, he taught me, you know, I said, hey, let's build a tube call, build a tube call. Uh, ended up building a box call, building a pot call. Then I started finding a little bit more into the mouth call stuff, started building the mouth calls. And after that, it just – houndstooth was kind of born – and you know heck i was buying timber at the time as a, a procurement forester for a company out of greensboro every every landowner you met that had any land they had turkeys and what better you know hey i'm gonna cut you a little timber and you want to buy a few turkey calls the next thing you know you're turkey hunting with them and buying their timber so you can't beat that i mean that <laughs> that goes hand in hand there i mean so it uh i also ended up with an angle on buying timber uh, <laughs> But it, it it as the timber as I you know kept on with my career in timber, it got to a point where it, it was literally my wife came home one day and I had an air compressor in my kitchen, and it was brrr, you know it was just blowing air out the thing. I was whipping out mouth calls on my new hyd hydraulic Cadillac press, and and she looked at me. She said, "You got to have a shop." And it was at that time I was like, "Man, I've come from here." 
out of my garage and in my kitchen and my office. My house was horrible. It was turkey. You couldn't turn without looking at a piece of, you know, a turkey call, latex, some wood, some pots. And uh, it just, man, I was lucky. I ended up, uh, I get tickled. I was told somebody the other day there was a thing uh, I, I watched about. It was Steve Harvey, of all people. And he was giving his little thing about jumping, like take the jump. Because if you don't take a jump, you're going to fall on you, you, You're never going to know. Mm-hmm. And if you fall on your face, it's all right. You get right back up, jump again. And I took that big jump. It was like my little life story right there that I knew that I didn't know would ever become what it has and bring the people into my life that it has. And uh, here we are. It's it's really it, it's uh, somebody the other day was like, man, you think I can. What if you had to do it over again? I, I, there's no way I could do it over again. I don't know how I got here now. <laughs> Think about it. Think about when y'all started, you know, to get your name out there. Facebook ain't the same Facebook to mm-hmm. get your name out there. It's pay to play. And and now that dollar doesn't spend like it used to. That's right. To get man. your name out there. So there's a huge curve that other small businesses now are trying to fight to grow. And just, you know. To, to get their name out there so it's i would love to say i'm some smart businessman and uh maybe i have made some right decisions to get here and i uh, i guess i have but i don't know how to do it again it's almost like you gotta be so young and dumb just to like take the jump and like you know you, you <laughs> fail you fail it's not that big of a deal when it came down to day one and my wife was like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to find a shop. She says, when are you going to find a shop? I said, right when I get back from Ohio from turkey hunting with Dr. Childs. She's like, what? I'm like, hey, got to do it. <laughs> and see, that that's the cool thing. When you start talking to guys like yourself, and you know, we've interviewed like Mike Pentecost too, and it's like you talk to guys that had this idea and created a business out of it. And then kind of look up in like every five, 10 years, how things have changed. Because, I mean, y'all been going for roughly about 12 years now. It's crazy to kind of see like what's the next 10 to 12 years look like. Yeah. And again, like, you know, just being die hard with it. But also having the leap of faith, kind of like me doing the podcast and not to kind of get segue or, you know, switch the show from being like this, you know, turkey no. content and everything yeah. to kind of like the life lessons. But it's like you jump to the podcast and uh do that full time and take a massive pay cut <laughs> but it, it, it was one of those things like you know i told andrew like if it fails don't make any money and for you know just not being successful i'll go back to doing sales like i did previously and been extremely successful with not that big of a deal um but again i have a lot more fun doing this than i did you know making man, a lot more money and man. and also you know being more miserable though look you just got to stay you know keep you keep your nose pointed north that you you said something there that you mentioned a lot of like what like one and two a.m. nights like I'm sure you've had we've had our fair share of those and I'm sure you have too. Oh man, that's, just, that's Look, the kind of thing I, it takes, man. I think back and I go, I, I mean, how do we do? How did we do that? And I had two children. I mean, and I had one one guy one child. He might as well have been a night walker. I, you couldn't outlast him. You could put him in the bed to 2 a.m. and you could pass out in the chair in there and you come in there and the cabinets would be open. Like he'd, he'd climbed up on the top of the, the uh, counter and walked the cabinets just looking for something to snack on, you know. <laughs> so I, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy from where, you know, I came through it and, and started it. Maybe every call maker is their story's the same. I don't know. I'm sure it isn't, but that's mine, and I'm just lucky, I guess. Well, I'm excited to kind of 
get the conversation and kind of talk about like from your passion for building this company to you know what your passion looked like before the company when it comes to just turkey hunting and kind of how that journey kind of inspired you to do what you're doing now but like first off what about turkey specifically turkey hunting makes you so passionate about not only from like a, a your company standpoint but also just personally when it comes to like turkey hunting what does turkey hunting mean to you man it, it goes back as you know to my father uh man i like we were just talking about columbia I, I was you know pretty much raised up there and and my dad I, I i would go every morning before school i mean there was nothing that was the one thing that my dad loved to do was turkey hunt and i you know it just I, and i was fortunate enough to have a great place to go turkey hunting close to the house literally close to the house like i was 12 13 years old i could have drove there um but it was you know going with him experiencing the you know hunting turkeys and then as i got a little older and i just hunting is so personal and the wild turkey is something that's so personal that yeah it's not i mean i know deer or pretty a lot of people are the same way about Mm -hmm, deer mm -hmm. but Man, it's just something yelping to a turkey and and hearing him answer you, and then figuring out you mess ups, figuring out you you know your your wins that you, of course, when you kill the turkey. But it's uh, I would I would say my passion was I had a father who never told me no when he was when we you know turkey hunting hey every day if it if we missed that morning we went that afternoon. So I mean so I, and I've tried to raise my kids the same way and never tell them no long as they're doing right and uh, and that was the way he treated me but man if you wanted to take something away from me make me make good grades it was turkey hunting <laughs> i was a straight a student if those words come out of his mouth <laughs> so uh man it's just something about it i mean I, and it's always consumed me well i want to talk to you before we kind of dive a little bit further into your turkey hunting career early on like what were some of those lessons you learned from your dad turkey hunting and what was like his style of turkey hunting versus maybe what you do today his style of turkey hunting <laughs> i'm sitting here thinking the first thing when you said that I, I, I instantly one turkey hunt popped up in my mind but he you know his he he wasn't that different uh i guess he was real patient and mad i tell you like i'm probably the most patient turkey hunter you'll you'll ever be around because they they've when we got it together he'd say man you just beat them to death till they came and i would i would hunt them if they gobbled i would stay with them we'd never make it till lunch my hunter would be vanished by the time we got there <laughs> but I, I was i was a winner and i was gonna be i was gonna win uh so you know my dad was patient that way and uh you know the calls of course the calls that we had back then weren't weren't the same i was i was remember getting watching those primos videos learning how to cut and you know I was, every, everything you wanted to do was cut and my dad was just a little old, you know he'd get in there with a double read and he'd go yep 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 that's it and he'd sit and wait and i've but that one turkey hunt i was thinking we were on a turkey and it was down there uh in jordantown do you, know, you ever heard of rocky ridge Oh yeah, mm-hmm. all right. Rocky Ridge Hunting Club, the cemetery 
was right there, mm-hmm. right down the road from us. And there was this hill, and this turkey was up there. He, he was gobbling. And I told Dad, I said, I'm going to break off from you. You know, you get over here. And man, I was pouring it to him, cutting every breath. Turkey was gobbling. I heard my dad go, what? Just three or four times on a uh, double read made made by Jerry Gardner out of Harpersville. Hard Dixie game calls. Anyway, and that turkey literally ran over him. We'd been there an hour. (laughs) And he killed that turkey. He had hooks on him. And he didn't rub it in. My dad was never like that. But, buddy, you talking about sour? (laughs) (laughs) Sour wasn't the word for it. I was was a bad loser. (laughs) But, you know, that was my ride to the to the hunting club so i couldn't be too sour about it but uh just when you i can see my dad sitting there you know just patiently waiting but the one thing that was cool about my dad he didn't care if i wanted to pull out a box and yelp for 30 minutes straight he'd sit there and he wouldn't say a word and i've hunted with some guys that just man if you made the wrong move they just take it to the point where you didn't even want to hunt with them so i've always tried to uh be be like more like my dad with my kids doing that so i guess i can owe it all to him on my passions with your dad because right, i'm always curious about these more old school turkey hunters and kind of that that's a common trait with all of them it seems like is very patient and it seems like of course they, they were in an era an era depending on like when your dad started hunting turkey hunting that there wasn't just a ton of birds um and it seemed like the skill set from a lot of those guys was more of a yeah. patient uh, approach to it because you didn't know when that turkey was going to come through there. You you might have heard them, but they didn't seem like some of those guys had a ton of opportunity with just an absolute ton of birds. I don't know if your dad was like that, but I mean, what was like his background kind of getting into turkey and from what you're aware of? Yeah, you know, he was growing. I can I remember some stories of him growing up in Livingston, and it wasn't near you know the turkeys that that there were when I was growing up, of course, but. It was a you know a more traditional way of hunting, and and even if you go back before my dad going to our family farm down in Sumter, my uh, great uncles loved to turkey hunt, and and my great uncle just sitting there thinking about that, you know, I mean he was that kind of guy that he had a little push button, he'd yep two three times, set it down, and I guess that's you know with with my dad that's kind of the was the fashion. And then, of course, when I finally got really serious into turkey hunting, I guess, you know, we were watching the Primo's videos, watching Will do his thing and or the Cus Strickland and, and whatnot. So, you know, I can remember listening to my great uncles talking about shooting paper hole shells, you know, killing turkeys. My great uncle John could take a, he would go out there and pick a peach leaf or a honeysuckle leaf and he could yelp and cluck with the best of them and that's what he, he'd pick him four or five and put them you know in some paper towel moist paper towel and he'd take them take them hunting so <laughs> i mean literally uh it's uh so uh, as far as traditions that you know I, I, of course i don't have the pace i have a lot of patience but my dad could just he was just glad to be out in the woods mm-hmm. which showed me more about it than anything you know how important do you think woodsmanship was to not only like even like your generation, your upbringing, but even like for them as well? My dad, being a forester, he was a great woodsman. And and he could tell you everything in the woods. He could tell you any bush. And it, that was his benefit. You know, he, he was a great woodsman. Um, 
and that played out on his turkey hunting just kind of like that hunt he knew kind of what that turkey was probably going to do and he let me fail on my own by let me branch out and go over here go over there you know so uh you know his woodsmanship skills was was great they still are i mean to this day he he doesn't care about even having to go hunt but he loves to just walk and look and look at the different trees and man he'll you see that deer been blah 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 eating on that and so it, it's uh it's a neat thing to watch his uh you know just knowledge of of the woods and everything i mean you can't beat his i mean he worked in it all his life for 35 years absolutely and it seems like those guys again guys like that like they understand how to move through the woods they understand you know and it kind of goes in hand in hand with that patience aspect of you know sometimes less could be more and that's kind of maybe how they've learned to be so successful you know those kind of groups of hunters oh yeah yeah i mean i i, I can think of several people in his age group that i hunted with that that guy jerry gardner was one of the best i ever set foot in the woods with if, if you had to bet on somebody you could bet on him and he could slip away from you could be set up with him he'd slip away from you you wouldn't even know he's gone he wouldn't tell you <laughs> you just all of a sudden hear something and look and he'd be gone and he didn't move 100 yards over here and just let you kind of do your thing but he was you know man he was a heck of a woodsman too he he hunted with me growing up in columbiana and uh i always loved to hunt with him because you know he was he was probably his top of the game on on doing stuff like that he understood so much about you know the turkey i'm curious in talking a little bit about your background and some of those life lessons you learned as a young turkey hunter you know especially maybe like back in high school middle school getting high school Mm -hmm. maybe starting to get opportunity potentially drive what were like some of those life lessons you learned as a turkey hunter back then that maybe still applies to you today or something that's really kind of carried on from that you er you learned from like those experiences especially like starting to maybe hunt by yourself more man i tell you what turkey hunting is, is is woodsmanship is huge for sure but you can tell so much by the turkey that you're on on what you might need to do that it's it's almost like a mind game and i guess that's one of the things that's cool about it like you normally your young childhood is full of just mess ups and then you kill a few kill a turkey or two i mean i remember when i killed a turkey or two and thought i knew what i was doing and then i didn't kill another one the rest of the year and i was around turkeys all the time and as you get older you start recognizing things different turkeys have just different they have different personas just like me and you and you you can recognize things with them you know um i've hunted turkeys on the national forest where be on them for two or three days and just couldn't figure out why you couldn't kill them and leave my mouth yuppers in the truck and grab a trumpet and yelp to him and instantly it was like a key that unlocked the door and he came to you like a two-year-old or a scratch box or you know something of that nature tube call so in my mind as you're growing up it's just full of mess ups you just got to go turkey hunt something you got to go and fail at to get good at and then once you kind of get you start noticing the little things that's going on in the woods you know it's i can't think of how many times that you know like you go get on a turkey and he quits gobbling about 7 30 8 30 to this day grown people see it on the national forest see it in hunting clubs they're gone man what if he just sat there another hour they all they're 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 not just gonna stop gobbling 
Now, there's days that they do, but eventually he's going to say something. And that's where the patience falls in that you don't have when you're young. And it's, <laughs> it is so much trial and error. And, you know, when you, you, I just feel like when, when a turkey gobbles and I, I create that dialogue with him, I can kind of figure out what's going on or how he's just kind of like how his day's going. And then I can adjust from there. And then the woodsmanship comes in and then it just amplifies your success. So if you put two of them together, it's unreal. I mean, it, it your success rate goes up because like when we were guiding me and Matt, we literally on Eastern turkeys, we, we ran pretty much 99% on that, those farms. Now they were not high pressured, but now we were turkey hunting them four days a week. So maybe you want to call it pressure trucks, whatever. They're still turkeys. And at the end of the day, there's turkeys that I left, left there at the end of the season to just, you know, Hey, they whooped me, you know, I may kill them the next year. Who knows? I don't know if it's the same turkey or not, but those little things that once you kind of, and, and especially once you come familiar, become familiar where you're hunting, man, that's just, that just adds to the woodsmanship side. Do you think it's important, especially for like a, a newer turkey hunter to really f- find some birds, like whether they're on a hunting club, whether they're on a lease, public land, national forest, whatever, find an area to learn it and really try to stick with that area instead of jump around so much to try to build it that woodsmanship, but also how the dirt, the birds use that area. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Pick you out, you know, whatever you think you can cover, I would pick out at least, you know, 600 to a thousand acres and become familiar with that i mean once what to me once guys kind of get that that edge of the woodsmanship and the calling then that's when they leave and that's kind of like you know you flying you, you kicking them out of the house they go over here to the next hunting club and they walk in there and they kill a turkey they've never been set foot in there it's where all of that just comes together and and I wish I could say that there's a magic potion that just creates it, but it's not. It is it is being able to read that turkey, taking that woodsmanship, putting that together, and that's when the magic happens. That that's what what when you comp when you put and you don't have to be a great caller, but when you put those two things together, there isn't a turkey you can't kill. You may not well you I say that you may not kill him. But I guarantee you, you're going to be that much closer to killing him if not having a, I know you'll have a higher success rate, 110%. So how's that, how your kind of journey as a turkey hunter then, is that, are those some of the things that helped you out when you like were hunting national forests, for instance? Because yeah. like we, like we mentioned before, the first time we talked to you, we talked a hundred percent about national forest stuff. Yeah. That patience aspect that you just talked about is something like I can relate with because that's I've I told someone the other day I've kind of found myself kind of drifting towards that side of you know you have people who are like real hard running gun guys and then like real patient guys mm-hmm. and uh, I've just had a lot of luck where I'll sit there for an hour or so and forty five minutes in here he You're comes right. and I'll give you a scenario of how my morning on a national forest or WMA always starts it is a little different I can't tell you how many times I go to a gate. Get breaks daylight, you don't hear nothing, nothing, and I'll literally be there till seven thirty, seven forty-five. I don't ever like haul butt to get back into the back because every time I ever go to the back, they're at the front. Yep. So yep. let's start at the front. Start at the gate. So I start at the gate. 
generally if if i haven't heard a turkey you know by good daylight and that's usually you you know when to move and and it's not when everybody's running around after they haven't heard anything at their gate that's when i just settle in and i'll go pick me a tree and i'll get away where people don't come by look i don't like people coming by and just staring at me like when they go by you know even even if i'm on my own land i like i go over and hide behind a tree you know i don't want anybody i don't i'm turkey hunting i don't want to talk yep so <laughs> i go over there find me a little spot and i'll sit down put my gun up against a tree and i can't tell you how many times i've heard a turkey that cranks up and the later it gets in the season the later they crank up it's darker in the woods once they hit the ground they seem to get acclimated and then once they get acclimated you know they'll 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 gobble on the ground a time or two but that you know as the season gets it just it's darker in the woods and uh anyway so i can't tell you how many times i found a turkey that way uh and of course i'll ease in there and try to kill him but if i haven't heard a turkey i'll go to the another spot that i know of and i don't go to these spots and i don't i, I don't owl i don't crow i really just listen and I will park and I'll sit and listen. If I know a turkey's there, then I might ease on in and just, you know, slip in there. And, you know, the thing about in any most of the national forests are hilly. I always keep that high ground. Don't ever leave that high ground. I don't care where you're at. That bottom looks beautiful. But I've always said, hey, if you can keep the high ground, you got, you know, half of it whooped. At least you can make him kind of come come up to you and not every time you go to the bottom they usually side heal you i mean because it's mostly forests and wmas are pretty open and uh but that is normally how my morning will start at a and i tell you i've sat there at those gates and sit there and and actually hear a turkey strutting because you on a still day up in those hills and it's so open man you can hear you can hear a turkey way further than you can walk and uh but the thing about like i hear a lot of people about going hey i walked two miles in well most of these national forests most of these wmas their openings are the roads that's where they pick gravel that's where the gravel's at they they that's why i guess i've always heard more turkeys around those roads versus deep down in there in the forest or you know wherever you're at and in alabama you can't i mean down this way it may be different up north where you i know y'all have hunted just about all of them i don't know of a place you can go two miles without crossing a road there ain't many places bubba's gonna be standing on the other side so you might as well be ready to hunt with bubba (laughs) (laughs) we talk about that all the time you you, uh, most of the time in alabama and there's places in georgia we've hunted like this tennessee you're just walking right back into pressure you know You're, you're exactly right so that's my whole point start at the truck you can hear and you're mobile and um you know, I, if you're going to call from a road, don't use a box call. Don't use a mouth call. Use something different. Use a trumpet. Use a tube. I found a lot of turkeys from the road by just easing up to – I would always get – like I'd find me a ridge and I knew there was a big bottom there. I'd just – and a Toyota Tacoma, I'd ease up there, park, walk up to the top, yelp off in the bottom. Didn't hear nothing. Ease back to my truck, go on to the next, wherever another ridge or spot I knew I could call from. And they can't hear you on the other side normally, with especially in Toyota. I was just idling through. I was trying to be quiet, but you know that you save a lot of leg work in it. Uh, there's some places you can get in trouble in some of these places. When you think turkey calls. 
Think of Houndstooth. Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configuration. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB Hen, some days I might like the Ghost Cut. Some situations I might like the Country Girl Call, you know, that I can cut on really hard where on other situations I might like the all pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation. And hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP24. That's SOP24. Use that promo code. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. As deer seasons come to a close for most of us in the southeast, this is when you really got to start paying attention when we start getting these warmer temps for a lot of these insects. It was actually kind of crazy. We were out hunting a couple weeks ago with the dogs, and we got into a bunch of ticks in a day that it was just two days before everything was froze up and iced up. But make sure you're protecting yourself and your family with Sawyer's. Everything from the best insect repellents, especially their deep products, but also the Precaridin products for protecting yourself from ticks, mosquitoes, all kinds of flying insects as well, but also their water filtration devices, first aid kits, and more. Sawyer's has you covered. You can pick up Sawyer's products from a lot of your sporting goods stores, whether you have a local sporting goods store or one of the big box stores like a Bass Pro Shop or even like a Walmart. You can pick up your Sawyer products from there. Again, we've truly enjoyed using Sawyer products. And again, as we head into the springtime, it's going to be more and more important, especially with the insect repellents, to make sure that you're well protected going into this springtime. So give Sawyer's a chance going into this turkey season. Man, Mark's Outdoors is your one-stop shop for everything outdoor and shooting related. They're a family-owned business that's been around for over 40 years now, been serving the Birmingham area, but now they have opened their doors to everyone across the United States through their online store. Again, me and Andrew have been using Mark's Outdoors for years now. They have unbelievable supplies of literally anything that we need we can pick up from Mark's Outdoors. They're even carrying different saddle companies, sticks, platforms, the whole nine yards at Mark's Outdoors. And again, if you don't live in Alabama and you don't want to make the drive to Birmingham, you can go over to their website, marksoutdoors.com, and actually shop on their online store to get awesome deals on different products that you may be needing right now and be able to get to you in a very timely manner as well. So give Marks Outdoors a try. We promise you, you'll enjoy them. They have unbelievable customer service and some of the best guys in the industry. True Lock Chokes has been around since 1981 and still a family-owned operation from the great state of Georgia. True Lock makes every choke configuration you can imagine for any kind of wing shooting, hunting application, but also going to the skeet and trap range. Going into this turkey season, me and Andrew are going to be shooting the new Headhunter series chokes from True Lock and also going to be trying out our buddy Dave Owens' Pinoti Chokes from the Pinoti Project. This is an awesome family-owned operation, guys, that is building all their chokes right here in America, right out of Georgia. If you're looking for a new choke this spring, give True Lock a try, and you can use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout and save 10% on all your orders. So y'all go support this awesome local Southern company and give True Lock a try. And we appreciate True Lock's support of the Southern Outdoors and Podcasts. Now, with the listening thing where you, where you like to just go out and listen, that's a that's an interesting point because, uh, I mean, like we all want to go out and make something happen. You know, we want to yeah. go and, and crank on like a glass call or something or a box call or, or a crow or something in the middle of the day. But when you're going out, you're saying you're just, you like to go and get on a ridge top and just listen to an area. Yeah, Is this I, an area that you've scouted already looking for turkeys? You know, the, the scouting part aspect of it, like, first of the season turkeys are going to be in drainages usually and then they start moving up 
especially around here. That's what I found. So I don't really get in a – I feel like if I get in a drainage, I'm roping myself into that drainage because I can't hear over the hill. Mm-hmm. can't hear over that hill. I can hear that way, you know, say north and south. That's it. And the, if you're standing in the drain, you're looking one way. Let's just call it north or in the south. So I will go and listen. Uh, I would tell anybody to go and listen if you can, and it's everything's cool with the WMA and or you know National Forest wherever you're at. I mean, it doesn't hurt to know because the one thing like the National Forest doesn't have that many turkeys per acre. I don't feel like it does. I don't feel like it does now. It had more, you know, way back when. Uh, I may be wrong now. I may it may be full of them, but my whole deal was to 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 cover ground. But I would be do it patiently, and I had time to do it patiently. I mean, I would leave on a Thursday. We had a company meeting in Greensboro, and I would go to Duncanville, and I'd just slip around through National Forest or whatever, you know. So, I mean, but heck, that's been years ago doing that. Yeah, um, that's something that I've actually started doing. I, I don't know who I was talking to that that talked about doing it. It might have been you at like a trade show or something when we were just talking you know, and, uh, and going back in an area, I feel like, especially on a pressured place where you're just kind of letting them do their thing, mm-hmm. uh, and they can kind of get fired up on their own and you just kind of slip in there and take advantage of that. I mean, yeah. it really, I mean, it works out a lot of times. Like, I, like you either see or miss or kill the turkey. <laughs> it seems y- like you're exactly right. They're always, usually when you hear one, he's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. And once he starts to gobble, but it's just something about it. If you'll spend, you know, say after you left that first morning spot and you go to the next spot, spend 35 minutes just chilling out at the next spot. Don't even say a word. I, I don't even leave your calls in the truck. Just sit there. You'll be surprised what you'll you'll get in tune to, and you'll hear. But you got to be the, you got to have the patience to do that. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I had a guy come by and be on a turkey, and that turkey hear that gravel popping. And, man, he'd be gobbling every breath to that truck. When that truck stopped, he shut up. Be quiet. Just as quiet as he could be. A guy would get out, yelp on a box or, you know, mouth yepper. And then as soon as that, that, that truck door closed and that gravel went to popping, he'd go back to gobbling. Kill him. And the guy never knew he was there. All he had to do was just sit there. Just patience. Now, in those situations... You you talked about you've gotten to a point now where you can almost kind of get an idea of how that turkey's feeling, how his day's going, and everything. That's exactly right. That's what you I need to like. do. Yeah. So, uh, how are you making a decision? Like when when you hear one, let's say it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, and you hear one gobble two or three times, how, how what thought process goes through your head? And I know this is probably a lot of experience, so you know it might be kind of hard to explain. But what goes through your head? Like, oh, I need to yelp to this turkey real loud. I need to go and get real close and just cluck and purr them in. Like, what's your thought process? Well, generally speaking, and me being hunting hunting here in Tuscaloosa County, the first thing I'm going to do is, is I'm going to make sure I have the high ground to get to him. I don't want to go low to him. I don't have to climb up above him or go around him. I'm going to try, try my best to come in over the top some form or fashion. And depending, you know, it, you can yelp at a turkey. If you ever yelped at a turkey and you yelp at him and he and he, you have that pause, and then he he gobbles and you're like, he didn't. Did he really answer? Was he me? gobbling at me? Was he gobbling at me or was he gobbling at a blue jay over there? 
and then you you give it a few minutes you yep at him and he just you know sits there and then he gobbles and you're like he's he's <laughs> he, he he's trying to figure out if there's something up right now you know so that's when i go hey maybe i need to do either a change up a call pull a trumpet or wing bone out on him and just try him there because I, i've always used that on high pressured areas to, to kind of take their temperature i've had turkeys where you could pull that out you you walk that ridge and got in there and you yelp at him and you instantly know he's digging it i mean he cuts you off and you know I, those are the things that tell me hey either a i'm going to be here a while or you know b i'm going to kill this joker right off the bat and you know a lot of times it's that way but taking his temperature you know creeks stuff like that i can't tell you how many of them that a creek like where we were on a river a small river like knoxby river or even up in tennessee along the the duck river that you catch a turkey gobbling his tail off you know he's by himself but there's a creek and the you know somebody's hunting with you then they're like let's go to let's see we can't find another turkey Man, that turkey's answering me, and I'm kind of creating that dialogue. There's a good chance if you play him right, he's going to fly. As long as you don't get too close to him. If you get too close to him, he's just going to sit on the bank. But if you can keep that 150, 100 enough to create that dialogue and make him just, you know, you, you, he knows that you're good ways off. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've made turkeys fly the creek just walking towards them like i'm digging them and then i get up there to like and hang up on them and then you know get to a point where they shut down they just quit all of a sudden they quit gobbling you know what's fixing to happen it just happens and i mean not to drag off the subject of what Mm -hmm. we're talking about but it goes to to being able to read him and recognize those things that that'll help you be more successful you may be passing up a turkey I can't. I mean, we would have passed up several turkeys if it wasn't for. No, I'm gonna hang out right here. He's gobbling. I'm gonna stay with him a little while. At least give him, you know, 45 minutes. Yeah. When you, <laughs> the thing about uh, getting them across the creek. When you said that, a, a hunt instantly popped into my head where I did not do that. And man, I they lured me in, dude. I was. I found myself standing on the side of the river, like yeah. staring over there, like, well, I guess I bumped him. <laughs> you know, we were just talking about moving in on on him on the ridge. And I know people are successful at it, uh, but and even on a say when he's on the roost, they'll man, I want to get as close as I can to him. Every time I get close to a turkey like that, I do not kill him. Very rare. If if I can if I can create that distance to create that paint him that picture, I'm that hen that he wants today. It just seems like it, it works way more often than it does by trying to get close and i can't tell you how many times i slipped around a ridge on a turkey and he was just right there and i'm gonna cluck and yelp at him and he's gonna come up there to the top and look and man that joker never shows up there he doesn't now they may do it on these northern turkeys they're a little different but these here at home man they're evil they're they i mean that's they're evil they're the toughest turkeys i've ever fooled with yeah what is it about something like a trumpet call, do you think, that, that gets them? Because you're not the first person I've heard that from where, especially on a higher pressured, it doesn't even have to be public, but like a hunting club that's getting hammered. Someone busts out the trumpet call, and, you know, I hear a lot of people say they have good luck with it. Is it just because it's a totally different sound than most other guys are making? It's got to be. That's the only thing I can figure. I, I, when I first, 
uh, bought a trumpet. I had actually went over to Georgia and hunted with a guy on some public land, and he helped a turkey up with me. I, I was giving them fits about the trumpet. I was like, y'all got those little magic wands around your neck. <laughs> I said, this is so cute, you know. And let me tell you something. They schooled this old boy over there. They schooled me enough. I called up a guy named Billy Bice. Uh, he's one of the best trumpet makers. And I called him up. I said, Mr. Bice, I got to have one of them trumpets. He said, all right, son. He said, that'll be $180. I said, I giggled. I said, did they call you and put you up to, like, I, I put my foot in my mouth so bad. I thought that was a joke. I didn't know those things were like 180 bucks. I bought it. I had to. I didn't put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> I wasn't going to go out like that. But but I came back with it to Mississippi. I'll never forget. I was sitting uh, at a coffee table with a bunch of dead gum good turkey hunters and uh in mississippi in scuba and they were all man turkeys are done turkeys are done they weren't killing nothing and about three days we cleaned them out the every time i we we found a turkey i had the the first turkey i caught up with a trumpet i'll never forget i popped my head through a hedgerow and there was two gobblers up there and i had my son with me i said let's back up and get up in these cedars over here give them a little distance and i yelped with them with a mouth yepper nothing Yelped at him, cut at him with the mouth, yep, nothing. I, I said, let me pull this trumpet out. I yelped on that trumpet, and they, man, they hit me back so hard. And I was like, wow. And gave them a few minutes, yelped again. They'd cut the distance, and we doubled. And then the next turkey, I, the next morning, I killed again. And uh, we we had a great, so yes, it is something to do with that sound. Same way with the tube. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, because I've heard uh, guys out west talk about that with elk hunting, where Primos came out with that, like, hoochie mama or whatever it's called, and that call is so distinct, and after a while, like... That they recognize it. They, like it's that. like they recognize it. And then someone comes out with something different, and it, and what you said about the the guy with the box call on gravel roads, like, that's probably one of the worst things. Like, man, I'm going to be honest. I don't and know and they're I'm, always a long box, because you can hear those things three miles. Yep. I don't know if I've ever killed a turkey just yelping them up with a box call, you know. And I've like I've done it. I've done it with box calls. I, I, like our box call, I use it mainly if I want to locate something. And I'm walking. I, I'm on a hill and I'm walking a ridge or something. But now I have killed a lot of turkeys with a single sided lynch box enough that I wore a thumbprint in the side of it. That's awesome. Oh yeah, look, man, that was yeah. You, look, you could take my money my my dog but you ain't taking my lynch box <laughs> that, that was it yeah and I, I wonder if it's if it i've had an experience similar i've talked about it on a show a couple times where i heard a guy come crunching down this gravel road walking down the gravel road but he did the exact same thing he walked hit a box call and then you know kept going and i had a turkey goblin and he shut down, and then that guy gets out of your shot, and he started right back up. Yeah, this is it is exactly what I'm explaining to you. That that's telling me right there, you're a patient guy. You're 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 seeing what I see. And if yeah. if patience, I mean, knowing when to move and be aggressive is is one thing, but knowing when to stop and take it all in and just sit back for a minute, examine everything that that that's gonna that's gonna yield you success i mean time and time again yeah and almost uh, i that like maybe bringing something out in the woods this is something i've done bringing something out in the woods is gonna occupy your time for a little while so like i'll bring some kind of lunch 
you know, and about t- 11 o'clock or 10, 30, 11 o'clock, I'll sit down and eat the lunch. I'll, I might even take my boots off and I get to a spot that's high up and I'm like, I'm just going to be now, here now, for I ain't hour. ever taking my boots off unless <laughs> my feet are wet. <laughs> so I did that one time and I killed a turkey with my boots off. I got a picture. Oh my, my gosh. <laughs> with my socks Lord, and everything. My feet are so tender. I don't even take my shoes off till I get up to the edge of the bed. Oh, Jacob gives me hell for it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you tender footed too. I'm not taking my boots off. Yeah. Me, me, me. No, I'm not taking my boots off. Because, listen, I he's afraid these, to get steak bit. I see these guys get these socks, they put them on, they slip up there to them turkeys. I'm like, dude, I, you wouldn't. If if I take my shoes off, I'm going to be right there until I get them back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I told Andrew, he, he's talked about this before, just sneak up, trying to get close up, you know, some bedded deer or something. I'm like, dude, all it takes is one timber right out of the lake. And I'm like, <laughs> ain't no <laughs> way in hell. Let me tell you something. Look at me. I don't <laughs> I'm a big old guy. I'm 294. I don't sneak up on nothing. <laughs> I, look, Matt, Matt, if one of the best stories ever, Matt, Matt was so serious and we were crawling. He, he was in head. We had a, a customer together and he's like, he's, he's leading the pack. I said, Matt, you just lead the pack. I'm right here. I'm here for whatever I need to do. And we were, he said, get on y'all's knees and crawl. And I'm like, Dude, my knees are so bad. I ain't crawling for nothing. But anyway, I go ahead and bite in on it. I'm crawling. And we get up there, and Matt looks at me, and I'm like a foot and a half taller than everybody. Matt's like, get down. And I got my head up like that, and I go. <laughs> and I said, Matt, that's as low as I'm going, dude. <laughs> Y'all need to ask him about that when they said, Matt, you need to get down. I went, I just did my head like that. I said, that's as low as I can go. My head won't go any further. I ain't got much of a neck already. <laughs> I mean, I'm challenged when it comes to crawling. So, therefore, I've never, you know, it's just like fanning. I had a guy, I was turkey hunting one time. This is when I'd never, I'm not, I don't I don't ridicule people for doing anything legal, but uh, uh, that's by the law. And and he wanted me to kill this turkey. So, man, he said, man, take that thing and show it to him. I literally, I bet I crawled out there on them rocks <laughs> about 10 yards. And I... <laughs> I was like, I, I'm hiding, showing it to him, and I'm like, man, this is for the birds. My knees, I ain't no way I'd have killed that turkey. So I shimmied back. I put it in reverse, and I got back. He goes, you ain't going to do it. I said, man, that ain't, I ain't built for this. I said, if I can't yelp that. So I have that motto, if I can't yelp him up, I ain't going to crawl. I ain't going to fan. I just ain't built for it. I ain't built for it. <laughs> I mean, you got to get good at calling, man. Ooh, I, right? I suckered on Matt one time like that. I got him an ant bed, though. <laughs> Y'all need to ask him about the ant bed story. I'm sure he did. He probably forgot about that. Dude, we, need, we need to get both of y'all together here one day and record a podcast with Please all of Please do. That would be fun. That would be a good time. Because I have so many cool memories of, of working and, and guiding turkey hunters. and <laughs> Man, I, I look. Yeah. It's, I'm I'm so thankful for Matt's friendship and what we've built together for as friends and man Matt's been integral to this company and that's why we had the strut marks. Yeah, yeah. You know. Now, well, Andrew, not to segue. I want to step back to one thing, yeah. uh, Lyle, that you mentioned, which was you know a lot of times it seems like these turkeys are fairly close to these roads and you know if you hunted anywhere in Alabama, Georgia's like this as well. In the place I've been in Georgia, you know you got a ton of gravel roads all over the place, dirt roads. And I've seen that. And, like, you'll find strut marks going down, you know, a major dirt road or even a big logging road right behind the gate, 80 yards behind the gate where guys are parking at. 
and it's happened to me, it's happened to Andrew, it's happened to all of us, where, like oh. you said, if you go in, like, I'm going to go in a mile back to this big creek drainage, all this kind of stuff, they're gobbling back by the truck. Yeah. It happens almost every time, well, like you well, said. That is where the gravel is. There's gravel, there's usually side, you know, the side of the road is great bugging. And as, you know, hens start to nest, they nest around those roads, too. And I can think of two different, I, I can think of one turkey that, I knew he was there, and I went down there to check him about mid-morning. That sucker, he ain't gobbled. I figured he heard me drive up in my truck, and I waited and waited, nothing. And I literally drove past him. I drove down the road, was leaving. I looked up in my rearview mirror, and that sucker crossed the road. I said, that joker knew I was there. That's how in tune they are. Mm-hmm. But they have to be on these anywhere. Well, especially if they're living around those roads. And, and that's one thing I wanted to bring up is the whole idea of sometimes kind of going back to the whole less is more sometimes the idea is like you can walk as far as you want to and i i'm not gonna you know i've done it we've all done it gone two three miles just in a loop or something in the area yeah and you're like man there's no turkeys here and then you get back to the truck and there's tracks close to, there's a hunt yeah. me and andrew went on, on on a some timber property where we did this big loop on this place there was a bunch of birds on it chasing birds around all morning you know just not getting close enough and we came back i think andrew shot one next to the truck or close oh, to the truck i did i sure did yeah. but yeah we got back and there's turkey tracks fresh gobbler tracks between where our trucks are parked right off the side of the yeah. main road yeah and i'm like he was I, i'm like it had just yeah. rained the night before i'm like he walked through there during daylight right between our trucks and i killed him <laughs> yeah and, and, and yeah he killed him when it, yeah anyways but it's like that's something and with you talking about it kind of hits more home for me it's like yeah you can find birds super far off the road of course they're, they're, they can be yeah. there but there's sometimes it's like a lot of other guys are doing that and it almost like it sucks them closer to the access and those birds yeah. might be a lot more quiet they may they're not the ones that burn up the woods all the time but when they do gobble one or two times you should be able to make a play on them if you're in that position and yeah. you're not super far back and they, in there. and they don't roost very far off their roads i mean they don't I, I i had not one year i didn't hunt any i was this was particular piece of public land and it had been a year or so that i had I did not had not been there and i i told my wife i said i'm gonna go and hunt so and so so loaded up my truck and got there nothing gobble sat there for about 30 minutes and i kept hearing i'm like there's no way i've taken a year off from this place come here to the exact same spot and there's a freaking turkey roosted right here to the right of my truck strutting on a limb and like no scouting just going off what years passed and sure enough he was he was 100 yards from my truck but that's what he was doing he was flying down and once it quieted down he'd come out there and strutting the roads i've seen them strutting i mean they'll strut in the roads they'll pick gravel and they'll walk those roads have you had much success around clear cuts like fresh clear cuts where they strut out in those fresh clear cuts yes but from growing up to now when i was growing up they didn't do so much herbicide on them and if you went in there and say you have found a, a 40 acre clear cut there'd be four or five turkeys in it it was just it was like it was a great bugging area especially late in the year there'd be four or five now you might go find a turkey in it because i mean it's biological desert I mean, literally, it is. It's, it, we're better farmers and uh, we're better foresters, forest managers, and herbicides. You can thank that too. Hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, yeah, they like to get out in it. I'm just stating that the numbers of turkeys I see in the clear cut using the clear cut isn't like it seemed like it used to be. And I may be, maybe that's just me, but 
that's just what I've seen. I mean, I made a living for 10 years making them. <laughs> so I feel like I ought to know a little bit about clear cuts, yeah. uh, being around them all the time um, and so forth. But, yeah, I, I mean, there's always some turkeys around a clear cut, especially rains or something like that. They get out there. But when you take that greenery away, what's there to eat but, mm-hmm. but strut and pick up some dirt, a little gravel, you know. Now, on the subject of being kind of like low key when you're out there and and talking about these gobblers next road, that kind of made me think about we're. I mean, we we're just sitting here talking about how how good it is when we sit there and just kind of like take it all in and, and listen and learn stuff. And that's like that's that turkey's whole life. You know, that's all that he's doing. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, so when you kind of think about that and think about maybe your entry into an area and and what kind of noise you're making and everything, it's like are you tipping them off? To let them know that you're there. Oh, yeah. You know you're tipping them off, especially if their home range is right there where they're spending so much time around the gravel road. Mm. You know, it's, uh, I mean, public public land hunting is a different. It is a different animal. It, it, I just, it's, you got to go about it different. Mm-hmm. How does your calling factor into that specifically? Because um, we, we talked a lot about like yelping and, and a little bit of cutting and stuff. What about like the real fancy calls, like key keying and doing little feed winds and stuff like that? Jake Yelps, like, do you ever find yourself doing that stuff, or are you sticking more with the basics? I do. I'm gonna tell you, I I have killed some turkeys that were straight up. I don't believe if I could a key key run, do it well. I don't, I mean, just do it in general. I don't think I would have killed them, like literally, like, and you know, I've even had some instances. Uh, where somebody busted up a flock by accident uh actually it was a logging crew the turkeys were roosted over where the logging crew was starting up cutting a they were uh they were cutting in a big power line and they ended up busting them up and man when i started kicking that turkey that turkey was on me so quick like i almost didn't even get to kill him but yes i 110 percent agree on being able to do those different and jake yelps even more jake yelps yes i can't tell you how many turkeys where i call that the kitchen sink you know that's the last hey i'm fixing to throw it at them and 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 you'll be surprised you can make that you can paint that picture of jealousy for them and man they like to fight i mean turkeys turkeys are fighters i mean they're gonna they whooping other turkeys off the hens and you know hit jakes and fighting with jakes all the time but the Jake Yelp, if if you can learn to do that, I can't tell you how many times that that more so than the Kiki. I can count on my hand how many times I've I've done that with Kikis. But now learning how to Jake Yelp and creating that picture of something moving in, it's it's that is the best, one of the best tools in the world to do, and it's easy to do to me. The uh, on a mouth call, I mean you're just slowing down a Yelp and kind of in your mind thinking I'm gonna deepen the sound. It ain't got to be perfect. I mean, I I wouldn't win a contest with a Jake Yelp anyway, but but I'm not there to win a contest. I got a contest, but it ain't the contest that we're yeah other people thinking. I mean, honestly, to me, a Jake Yelp seems like it'd be easier for people to get than that like pretty two tone hen Yelp. It is. I tell you, it, it's easy to do on a friction call too, right in the center. Just just take it, cup it up against your up against you, and and just like you would run a mouth call but you're doing it with a you know a peg right in the center just y'all 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 make long strokes with it with the striker 
and man it sounds as much like a, a jake as anything and it's easy to do on a friction call it's a little bit harder for me to do it on a slate but like a glass and a, that titanium does it as good as any i've ever seen mm-hmm. for me now would the jake help if you're saying that's kind of the chicken the chicken the kitchen sink <laughs> the chicken sink <laughs> the chicken sink um if that's kind of like your last ditch effort, what what is a situation where you're busting out a Jake Yelp? Well, you know, it really it depends. You'll know once you get on a turkey, and you can feel just by listening. You'll know when that turkey's either a losing interest or b he's in a pasture and you can watch him. That's the best. But you know, here in here in Tuscaloosa County, we've got so many so much timbered areas. It's hard to you can't you're just judging off of what you're listening to. But if that turkey starts to slide, and when I say slide, he's moving off or he's kind of you know you got a feeling he's fixing to catch that ridge and be gone. Why not? You're not gonna you're not gonna you're not spooking him by doing it. It's kind of like a deer grunt. You ain't really spooking deer grunt, dude. I can't tell you how many. I'm gonna you're there. You found a goblin turkey. What if you don't do it? <laughs> what if you don't grunt at a buck? What if you don't use a jack yelp? I mean, it's just a tool. I mean, I have yelped like a hen and watched a turkey run to the next country. So what are we losing? I want to bring up, when you're talking about the calling, especially on National Forest, I'm curious in talking with you about the tone and the volume that typically you would use and it does that change based off like say like national force where maybe it's fairly high pressure versus if you're on like say like a lease or something that you know it's only you and maybe a couple other guys honey do you change like the tone or the uh the volume of some of those calls i mean do you like bring it back down a little bit on more of those pressure birds or how do you like to kind of present that when you're trying to work a bird especially well, if it's one that's not just crazy right, gobbling I, the roof? when i find him and and he's not gobbling a lot i'm gonna be very timid with him and just see if I can't warm him up to where, you know, I can talk a little bit more looser with him, yelp at him a little, you know, a little bit stronger or whatever. But my calling doesn't really, you know, that's a good question because when I sit back and think, I can think of turkeys, I cut, yelped hard at them, killed them in 20 minutes on the National Forest. And then I can think of turkeys that, you know, I couldn't kill them with nothing but a tube. They just answered a tube, and a tube call is, I'm I'm good with a tube call, but like it's hard to to strike a turkey and finish a turkey with a tube. But if they're digging it enough, you know, you trying to muffle it down, put you kind of cup your hand around it. But I don't really change what I do per se because I'm on public land. On that now, I may interchange a different type call more than I do. Uh, that but i mean at, at one time i was hunting public land i didn't have a trumpet i had a tube and it, it paid off in dividends but i i usually use the tube to find the turkey once i found him i switched to a mouth yepper and then you know that the learning the different uh different calls just beautified that and you know whether i could have killed that turkey a with a trumpet or not but I don't really change up my calling style as far as that goes. I mean, I do think that me building calls and yelping so much has helped me. It's got to help you at some point. It's, 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 there's situations I believe that realism, you know, 
plays a factor. And then I know friends of mine that are excellent turkey calls that they're the farthest from realism, but they're, you know, they're consistent. It doesn't, not that they sound bad, but they don't sound like a lot of people out here. So, I mean, I don't know what y'all think about that, but I don't go in there and just soft yelp and do that. I'm probably a little bit more aggressive than just a soft yelper all the time. But I guess we're, you're not as aggressive as with like locator calls or stuff like that, especially in yeah. the morning. It's kind of letting stuff play out and, and trying to, you know, work an area. Well, it, sitting there thinking about that before, and I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off if I did. Uh, one thing that I can say as I've gotten, gotten older, like a two read mouth yapper, people laugh at a two read. They go, Oh, I got a three or four read. I can get volume and all that. A lot of times when I find a turkey, I like a two read like a bat wing because I can yelp. I can yelp. Like once I kind of get that dialogue, a lot of times I'll switch around on the tree. Just I'll, I'll sit kind of on the side of a tree where I can turn my body. And once I've got that little dialogue going with him and he's doing his thing and he's trying to make me come and, you know, I'm not budging, he's not budging. I'll cut my hands with that two reed and I can roll it over so low and it sounds like a full blown yelp, but it's at a different tone, like loudness. Let's say, you know, it sounds like I moved 60, 70 yards. I I can't tell you how many times I have pulled turkeys that were hung up and my son is like one of the best. That dude can yelp so low. I've seen turkeys tuck their wings and drop down and come down a 40 foot bluff and you blow their blow their head away at 20 yards but that is probably more of a useful tool to me than anything is is being able and you remember me telling about jerry gardner jerry had that same yell he he it may not be the same call but he was man you can throw your voice with with soft it's it's soft but it's just like if i were to do say a loud strong four note yell Think about being able to, you, you got to put a lot of air across a three-read call. Well, a two-read call, I can do the same thing, but I can do it a lot lower. And then when I cut my hands, you can tell just, just me and you talking mm-hmm. how much all of a sudden that changed. Well, when you change and do that and you turn and there's a holler right there, it sounds like you moved 100 yards. I mean, I, that's why I could never pin Mr. Gardner in the woods because he would yelp like that. And then I'd turn around and look and. You know, he'd be, I'd be looking for him like, sounds like he, I thought he sat down over there and he'd be over here or he'd be right there. And, you know, so you couldn't pin him. And that is a cool tool. I mean, you, you can't beat that. In my opinion, people may laugh about that say, oh, this nonsense. Well, uh, it's, it's nonsense till you do it. <laughs> Well, it's an it's a skill set. Again, it kind of goes back to the woodsmanship. It's like a skill set that you can bring out when you need to. Again, act like you're putting more distance between you and that That's gobbler. Right. That's right. So, like, oh, that that hen's walking away from me. I got to go investigate. You, you, you know, the one thing I noticed when I started doing when I when I really kind of started playing the turkey that way, I I stopped shooting. I, I, you know how a turkey nine times out of ten, what does he do? He comes in there and you kill him at about forty yards, thirty something like that they don't never walk over you strutting at 10 15 yards in alabama well let me tell you something when you can throw your voice a little bit like that with a two-read yelper you'll find out they'll get a lot closer because they can't pinpoint you 
they had you there for a minute while you were creating the dialogue and then all of a sudden you just changed the dynamics of the whole thing and it sounded like you moved down there and, and now you know got to know when to quit and it's not giving him you know playing him for 30 minutes that way a lot of times of the turkeys that we've killed uh i might go off and then come back but i'm just doing it with cup in my hands making it roll over and then you know 10 15 minutes it ain't working out i might actually come back you know turn yep towards him y'all have seen people you know do do stuff like that i guess but those are some of the things man that kill turkeys they kill turkeys here it's a combination it seems like of all those different things you know like being able to slip around and pay attention to your surroundings and read that turkey and know when you need to make that kind of call and, and knowing the lay of the land Mm -hmm. You know, you got that holler behind you and, you know, I don't know, maybe you're making that turkey think that you went down in there and he's like, well, I'm just going to go get on the side of that thing and look down there at her or or whatever he's going to do. And it's kind of like all these things come together and that's what makes a a really good turkey hunter. You're exactly right. And it's, it's almost too much to put into a podcast. I don't know how anybody can learn this without, just like what we were talking about, you know, uh, getting started turkey hunting. The only way you can do it is fail, fail and, and listen to other people. Once you kind of have mentors and stuff, man, they'll, they'll lead you to the, they'll lead you to the water. I mean, you'll find a friend that that's a a little bit better than you has a little bit better edge. You may be a better duck hunter, but he's a better turkey hunter. And those little things, that's just like this year. Hey, I thought I was a heck of a duck hunter and I went with a guy named Jim Ronquist was, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let me tell you something. That guy I didn't know call. nothing. <laughs> but by the t- by the second day, I had that jugger. I was I was I was. He had me going just right. We were good. But yeah, I mean, there's somebody out there that knows more than you. There's somebody out there that knows more than me. But these are the things that I've noticed that work for me. And the only way that you can learn those things to get your little groove is to get out there, chase some turkeys, fail a little bit, succeed a little bit. And then put it all together, and then you got something. Absolutely. Um, wow, we're sitting at a, a hour eight here, so we'll get close to a point of wrapping it up. <laughs> but I want to get into something. By the time this episode drops, it'll be almost turkey season in Alabama. It might be turkey season in Mississippi. I don't know exactly when we're going to drop this, but it'll be getting close. It'll be okay. mid-March. So thinking like mid-March time frame, uh what are you doing to get prepared for turkey season? Like, are you going out and listening every morning? Are you going and looking for scratch? Like, what are you trying to do to get ready for opening day? Well, being a turkey call maker, one of the not so lovely things about it is, is that I don't have a whole lot of time to do scouting anymore. And it, it, it's, I'm lucky I do. And I guess that's because, I want to keep this business going, keep it going, keep everybody happy. Shipments going out, but on on the you know if, if I'm preparing, I'm gonna I'm preparing for turkey season is more or less me going. Hey, guess what? Turkey season's in. I'm going in the morning, and I know of a ridge that I might I, I can at least find a turkey off of, and 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 I have some history with it now. If I back up and say I didn't have this job, I would be out there. I'd be looking for scratching. I'd especially be looking for scratching low because they're in the acorns and stuff right now. What's left? And they're going to, you know, so, you know, and and listen. 
mark those spots as you think you know as as the season goes turkeys start getting more up higher and on those hills and and out of those bottoms and stuff but historically just like uh over there in mississippi we had that big noxby river right there man turkeys when when opening day came you could hear turkeys for miles down that river there wouldn't be nothing in the hills by the end of the season those jokers were all around those hills and ag fields and stuff and everything changed and few turkeys down there on the river so you know me me getting prepared you know is is different for everybody else i guess uh that's probably you know i hate to make it a dull dull subject but it it's you know i guess you know growing up and stuff when you wanted to get prepared we were so in tune with the land it was just a thing i mean that was just normal hey let's go out my dad would like let's ride out there and ride around and you know he'd have him a cold one and i'd I'd learn to drive the truck out there you know (laughs) (laughs) oh there's a turkey well i know he's gonna be here at the slab and then we'd see a turkey over here towards the graveyard and you know that was that was consistent i see people uh on youtube they're man they're beating the bushes and stuff but turkeys are so vocal you know unless you need to know the land then yeah walk it but i'm usually going to a listening spot that i can hear before season and then you know there's mornings that i don't get to hunt but i might run out there and listen for a few minutes and just take note you know if i've got a spare minute and then usually i run late because i I break the rule and I go ahead and go hunt. <laughs> <laughs> if it's turkey season. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Lyle, we appreciate you joining us for this podcast and inviting us down to the shop and be able to kind of do this again. I'm excited to get this podcast out for the listeners to kind of, you know, learn a little bit more about you and, and again, kind of your, your background um, when it comes to hunting because it's fascinating. Guys like yourself who, you know, you've had success a bunch of different places, but specifically like what you've learned and applied on the National Forest and, and even some of these higher pressure, you know, hunting clubs and stuff you've hunted it's super fascinating and definitely we'll have to have you back on and again get matt in here as well to kind of talk oh, through yeah. some of these different stories please we've got to do one me and matt i and i there's so many good stories there and you know matt's precious to my family i mean he is family to me so uh that that's that's i can't wait to hear his podcast too oh it's uh, a good yeah. one he, he he knocked it out of the park but yeah he did uh Lyle, as a point of wrapping up if anybody's interested in learning more about houndstooth game calls or anything else y'all are doing how can they follow along with you guys on social media but also y'all's website yeah make sure we have a facebook page that we keep you know keep going every day and throughout the year and then of course instagram and houndstoothgamecalls.com on the website and then if you need something deeper than that get on there and call me i mean i'm here absolutely well lyle thanks again for joining us for the podcast listeners appreciate y'all joining again if you enjoyed this podcast make sure you share it with a buddy and uh, good luck to you guys this season we'll catch y'all back here for the next episode of the southern outdoors and podcast Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.